It is just uh, great to see the kids outside in the sun. bought a Christmas tree for the class and uh, and really nice and put lights on it and it looked great uh, except one evening I forgot to turn them off I forgot to turn off the Christmas tree lights and our school um, is surrounded with ho- by housing and in the early hours of the morning someone in one of the houses opposite saw these twinkly red light in a window and called the fire brigade they thought the school was on fire. And so the schoolkeeper, who then lived on site, had a knock on the door. Three o'clock in the morning, I'm a fireman. Now your school's on fire. But it wasn't. It was because I had left the Christmas tree lights on. This was not a good start for my career. But uh, fortunately, he forgave me. So, yeah, I've learned to stay on the right side of the schoolkeeper ever since. Okay. We are uh, coming to the end of three weeks where we've been looking at Noah and the life of Noah and the story of the ark. And today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just do it slightly differently, actually. I want to take a little bit of an overview of the story. And I was drawn to this verse this morning in Romans 15, where Paul says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. And this morning, I just felt, you know, I think God wants to instill some hope in us this morning. And the fantastic thing about the Bible is you can just read it in so many different ways. There are just so many different layers to it. So we can read the story of Moses and we can see that it is, uh, that in it, God is pointing towards Jesus. He's pointing towards the story of salvation. There's judgment that's coming, but yet there's a promise of rescue. Uh, and there's hope. And you can read it in that way. Uh, and you can also read it in ways where, he spe- where God speaks to you really personally about things like obedience. We looked at that last week where God told Noah to be obedient and how that makes us feel sometimes when we feel God saying, okay, I want you to do this. And, and how we react. But actually that it can all be within the context of his favor and his grace. And that makes obedience feels so different. We can read the Bible in terms of the whole of salvation and it pointing towards something. We can read it in terms of what it's saying to us personally. Today, I just felt that, I felt God opened it up a little bit for me as a parallel for us building the church. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. And through that, I think 
God wants to give us hope because, do you know, building a church is, is sometimes quite hard work. Being part of a church is hard work. And, you know, there's this old saying that says, forewarned is forearmed. Do you know, I think that almost could have come from the Bible, that phrase. Because there's something about knowing what it's going to be like, so I'm ready for it. And that's really what God is saying there in that, or what Paul is saying in that passage. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. So, I want us to have hope today as we build this church. And you may come to church for very different reasons. Duty. Oh, I should go to church. Um, personal, personal blessing. Actually, do you know, I've felt in the last couple of weeks in particular just a, a burden about, do you know, you're more than that and you should be coming for more than that. You are a living stone that's being built into this temple. You are not here by chance. Some of you will be thinking about what you're going to do in your future and where you're going to go and where life might take you and a, a job might come up somewhere else and... Do you know what? That, all of that is fine. But if you are going to remove yourself as a living stone from what he is building here, you need to be really clear that that is what he's saying to you. And sometimes we get it a bit the, the wrong way around. Oh, I want to move. I want to go somewhere else. And oh, there's a job come up. I've always dreamt about. And when I get there, I'll find a church. It's the wrong way round. We are being built into a temple as living stones. We are a body, and it says that when one bit of the body is missing or it hurts, the whole body hurts with it. Every part of the body is fundamental. Now, of course, God sometimes says... Just when you think you're settled, and just when you think you're playing your part, and just when you're loving it, he says, right, now I'm moving you somewhere else. Of course he does. He did that with me. I didn't want to move church. I loved where I was before. Loved it. Did. I didn't want to move. He made me move. <laughs> um, but I had a sense. No. No. I, I, come on. Come on, I know it's painful, I'm going to get you out, I'm moving you, I'm moving you. Do you know that's, do you know that's pretty much one of the only reasons you should leave, leave if you feel God is moving you? Now, of course, circumstances come up and families get sick and you have to move to be with elderly parents or all of that sort of thing, and I understand all of that, but, but God's in that sort of thing. When that sort of moment comes, you sense, oh, I don't want to go, God's in it. Don't allow yourself to get it the wrong way round. Oh, I like to be there, and when I get there, I'll find a church. No, you're a living stone. You are fundamental. And unless he moves you, you take yourself outside of his will. And that is a risky place to be. Now, he's gracious. He is gracious. When we get it wrong, he, he will bring us back to where he wants us to be. He did it with Jonah. But who wants to spend time in the belly of a whale? Okay, there'll be pain. <laughs> there'll be some pain. There'll be some difficulty. He wants to save you from that. So, 
So we are being built, this company of people, as we stand at the moment, we are living stones being built together as a temple. And so I want us to just look at what I think the story of Noah just, just tells us about building church. First of all, it's built on grace. It's built on his grace. You remember when we looked a couple of weeks ago at God bringing judgment on the people and there's this lovely little phrase that says, but Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace. The church should always be built first and foremost on that. So if he's called you and pulled you and built you here, then it starts off with his grace to you. His grace, his favour. When he begins to build a church, he is showing his grace to you and to the place where he is building this church. It was his grace in Noah's generation that he had favour on that one man. And there was an opportunity for all those around to have also tasted his grace and favour. But they didn't. But nevertheless, it was his grace that said, that man, I'm going to put my grace on him. He's going to be under my grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it's a bit like that when he, when he establishes a church somewhere. He's saying, in this generation, you're, you're the people for this generation. You're my grace gift to this generation, to this area. It's built on personal and corporate grace. It starts small. So if we look at the ark, when God tells Noah to begin building, he started with one plank. One plank of wood. It starts small. And the Bible says, despise not the day of small beginnings. Do you know, I've, I've, I've had to work at that. Especially coming from a big church. Established church. Flashy church. Church with lights and whistles and all sorts. Church with 12 bands. and Despise not the day of small beginnings. Noah started building with one plank. He starts small. Don't despise it. Don't despise it. Because we can. Now, how did you feel when we prayed for the children? If you've got kids, some of you thought, great, please, more of it. Pray for my kids, pray for me. If you haven't, sometimes you can think, oh, pray for the kids. Doing another little kids thing at the front here. It's all a bit small and it's all a bit... Despise not the day of small beginnings. Because he starts with the most unlikely. That's what he does. He says, kingdom of heaven's like that. Like cherry. He likes to run to the front. Kingdom of heaven's like that. He says to the disciples, don't you keep them away. And he says to us, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise something that looks small and insignificant and, to be frank, a bit of an irritation at times. Don't despise 
the day of small beginnings. You know what the small beginnings looks like sometimes practically? It looks like the PA going a bit wrong or whistling really loud. And you just think, oh, I'm glad I didn't bring a visitor today. Or it, or it looks like getting here and finding that the pianist is, is ill and actually there is only one pianist, so we, we've got no pianist today. It's that sort of thing. That's what small really practically looks like. It looks like that. It looks like, oh, nobody's turned up to do the tea and coffee. Right, okay. Let's find someone quickly to do the tea and coffee. I'll go and ask someone to do the tea and coffee. Oh, but I did it last week. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know I've asked you last week, but there aren't many of us at the moment. And oh, despise the small day of small beginnings. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. That's what it is like. It is a bit like that. But God says, don't despise it. It starts off small. It's built on grace. It starts small but it has a sense of promise over it. So listen to what it says here when Noah began to build the ark. It, God has given him all the instructions about how to build it, and then he says, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your daughters and their daughters, your, your sons and your sons' wives and he says, I'll establish my covenant with you. doesn't tell them then what that covenant is going to be. doesn't unpack it. But there is a sense of promise over it. It's a day of small beginnings, starting with one plank, no sign of rain, but there's a promise over it. There's a promise over it, but there's something really important that makes this thing work when Noah begins to build his ark. He's under the favour and grace of God. And do you remember it also says he walked with God? Do you remember that? And that that word walked in, in, in Genesis is only used a couple of times, that particular uh, translation of that word. And it implies a really intimate walk. Noah was able to start with one plank when there was no sign of rain and it was all a little bit pathetic because he had a sense of promise and he walked with God. That's where your personal devotion, your personal walk with God is so important. It's really important because otherwise the smallness and the small beginnings will just get you down and you'll just think, what is, what is this all about? seem to be coming here and it's not really growing much yet and, and I've done tea and coffee now for six weeks on the trot. What's, what's all this about? Unless you are walking with him then that's how you'll feel about it and you'll drift off. It's really important to guard your walk with God. I will walk with God and therefore he coped with the day of small beginnings. It takes obedience. Building a church takes obedience. We looked last week at that a little bit, where Noah had to follow to the letter the commands God gave him to build this thing on an enormous scale. When there was no sign of rain, when there were no animals coming to him to put in the ark, and he builds this thing on a massive scale 
Why? Because he's just being obedient. You know, I reckon there were probably times when his son said to him, Dad, are you sure about this? I mean, there's just us. You know, there's just us and the wives. And we're building this, you know, we're building this thing. Are you sure about this? I mean, it just seems a little bit, isn't this just us? You know, we've, we've been building this for years. Not, we don't have any idea in the Bible how long it took. But, but commentators say, oh, decades. Decades to build this thing on this scale. It was enormous. They had no machinery to do it with. It took decades, it took ages, it took years. There must have been times when even Noah, but times when his son said, Dad, are you sure? This, I mean, there's no rain coming. There's no animals. Are you sure? But Noah walks with God. So yes, he's sure. You know, God said, he told me, these are the dimensions. It's got to be this many cubits wide and this many cubits. No, no, no. no. So, so I wrote it down when he told me. Oh, okay, okay. Start small. But it takes obedience. It takes obedience. And it takes obedience to build a church. Do you know that? It does. It takes submission and surrender. But we talked last week, didn't we, about the context of that. And that if you know the grace of God, and if you are walking with him daily, obedience becomes a whole different matter because you just want to please him. You love to please him. But it takes obedience. Start small, it takes obedience. It appears totally insignificant in comparison to what's going on around it totally insignificant in comparison to what's going on around it. As this ark starts to grow a little bit and, and get some structure and the frame is built and, 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 and the guys are still working day after day after day on it, it still seems to be totally insignificant in comparison with what's surrounding them. Because what's surrounding them is society going on and on and on like it normally does. Remember, we looked at that in the first week when we talked about judgment, didn't we? And this temptation when we read this account of Noah and it talks about people being really wicked and that's why God was going to send the flood in the first place and there's the temptation to think, wow, they must have been really depraved in those days and then in the New Testament, Jesus unpacks it a bit and he talks about the story of Noah and he says, no, they were eating and drinking and getting married. They were like you. And we're in the middle of a society, and we think, what, what, this is, would this make a difference, really? I mean, this is a drop in our bucket. Nobody knows we're here. Life goes on in Brixton every day like it always does. It's insignificant. That's sometimes how it feels, doesn't it? It feels like that. It's a bit insignificant. That's what building a church can feel like. It can feel like that. And that's what it must have felt like to Noah and his sons year after year as they build this thing and they're thinking, wow, compared to what's going on around us, we're not having an impact. It's not like suddenly everyone's flocking to help us build this thing and they're falling on the ground under conviction of sin. They're just plugging away at it, putting another plank on. Year after year after year. 
Has this really got any significance to the environment in which we are, to the society in which we are placed? Has it? Sometimes it will feel like that when we build this. But there's promise over it. There's promise over this church. There have been prophetic words over this church. There's a sense of God's promise. So we keep going. But don't be afraid if sometimes you feel like that. There will be times when you think, really? What do you do when, when those times come? You remember the promises and you make sure you're walking with him. You make sure you're walking with him and you remember the promises. You push through the inconvenience, as Dan always says. You push through the moment of inconvenience. And there are moments of inconvenience in church life. Do you know that? In building a church, there are moments of inconvenience. You just have to push through. It takes obedience. And then the day comes when those ordained to be saved come. Listen to this. Genesis 7, verse 15. Pairs of all creatures that had the breath of life in them came to Noah. Came to Noah. The day comes when all those he ordains come. That's what happens when you're church building. There is a day. There will be a day. We're beginning in his, in his mercy to see that day now. Some people are coming. There is a day when you are building and you wonder what it's for and, and then there is a day when people come and you think, oh right, you know, that's, that's, that's what we've been doing this for then. Oh, when I was hours and hours just plugging away, band practice, sermon prep, sorting the PA out, unloading the cupboard at 9 o'clock in the morning, all of that, uh, again and again and again. Oh, that's what it's for. God's bringing people. The day comes. Now here's another one. In church life, sometimes it feels like it's going nowhere and it's just plain hard work. So in the story, the day comes when God shuts them in and it starts to rain and it rains for 40 days and then the ark floats on the water for an additional 150 days. What, what do you think is going on then? Not a lot. In fact, what's going on is that all this thing that Noah's been working towards Suddenly, he's spending now, day after day, feeding the animals, getting rid of all their poo, and stopping them eating each other. That's a bit like a pastor's life sometimes. <laughs> Feed the people, clear away the poo, stop them eating each other. He's doing it day after day after day. It says 150 days. And do you know what else? The ark has no rudder. 
He can't steer it. It's got no motor. It's got no sail. He has absolutely no control over where this thing's going. All he's doing is feeding and clearing out the poo and stopping them eating each other every day. And I don't know where this thing's going. And you know what? During that period, it seems God's silent. During that period of time when the ark is on the water with, with no rudder, no motor, nothing around it but water, nobody knows where it's going, nobody knows if this rain's going to stop, And it must have been really difficult for Noah. I thought we were doing something fantastic here. I, th I, thought, this, I thought this church was going somewhere. But and we just seem to be floating about and, and we're feeding them all the time. Oh, okay. And then we're sorting out the problems, getting rid of the poo. And sometimes church life can be a bit like that. You can go through seasons in church life when it feels a bit like that. Where are we going? Come on, pastor. And actually, pastor's thinking, where are we going? <laughs> I don't know where we're going. We're in the boat, but I don't know where we're going. I'm just feeding the people and clearing out the poo. And, and church life can go through seasons a bit like that too. It can be a bit like that sometimes. What does God call us to do? He calls us just to be faithful, to keep going, because there's a, great, there's a great something that's just over the horizon, and this is what it is. It says, after those 150 days, it says, but God remembered Noah. And then it says that he blew over the waters and they started to recede. In the ESV, it says, he restrained the rains. You know, sometimes church life is really, it's really tricky and you're not quite sure where it's going. You're just doing the stuff. You think, God, is this, is this thing going anywhere? But we just have to remain faithful because there is a promise over us and we are called to be obedient. And the day will come when God will remember. Now, is it that he'd forgotten? You know, he'd... Okay, so we're going out. I remember turning off the oven. I put the cat out. Oh! There's the ark. It's been on the water 150 days. <coughs> sort it out. No, it wasn't that he'd forgotten. But sometimes God does... He, he, God sometimes is silent with us. Why? Because he wants to... He wants to grow our faith. That's why. He wants to build something more in us. Right, so will they keep going when the adrenaline rush has gone? Because there must have been a real adrenaline rush first when the, when the ark begins to float and all the animals are in. And boy, we've, this is what we've been working for all these years, guys. Come on, we're going. We're off. We're off. And it, and it comes. And, it, and then, oh, there's 150 days of just milling about. God says, right, let's see, without the adrenaline rush, are they still going to be faithful? Are they still going to do the stuff? Are they still going to trust? Are they still going to hope? Let's see if they do. Come on, let's grow this in them. Yeah, let's do it. Come on. 
and then the day comes when God remembers. Right. Good. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Okay. Right. Let's restrain the heavens and let's blow over the waters. The day comes when God remembers. When the ark came and landed on the mountains and the waters went down and Noah did his stuff with the birds, you know, he sends out the raven and then he sends out the doves and eventually the dove doesn't come back and so he knows it's dry and then God says, okay, now's the time. You can let, you can let everyone out now. Do you know what the first thing that Noah does? He, he, he comes out of the ark and he builds an altar he makes a sacrifice. It's the first thing he does. And it says in the Bible that the aroma of the sacrifice was pleasing to God. Do you know when we're building a church, we must never forget however much success we taste, however much we might feel we've done it, achieved the mission, that actually it's all down to him and it's all for him and it's all about him and it's nothing to do with us. And so the first thing I do is I build an altar and I offer something. And that does two things. That says, God, I'm unworthy. I'm your least profitable servant. I need your grace and forgiveness still. And thank you for what you've done. It says in the commentaries that that offering was both of those things. It was like, it was atonement again, and it was thanksgiving. We must never, ever forget whether this church grows or whatever happens with it, whether we taste success, whatever that might be, we must never forget that it is only because of his grace. It's all about him, and it must all go back up to him. And that pleasing aroma, what does that do? Well, the Bible says that when God smelt that pleasing aroma, he made another promise with Noah. And he says, right, because of you, I'm going to make another promise. I'll never do this again. I'll never do this again. Four times he says, I'm making a covenant with you. I'm making a covenant with you. I won't do this again. I'm not going to judge like this again. I'm not going to judge the whole earth again. I'm going to make a covenant with you. And then he says to them, now you go out and you multiply. Suddenly, it's not just about what Noah was doing inside this little ark. Suddenly, his mission now is to bless the whole world. It's to go out and to bless the whole world. And it started with one plank of wood. And it started with a man who knew he had found grace and who walked close with God. That's what God was looking for. That's my man. That one there. He's walking close with me. Who knows he's under grace and it's nothing to do with him. Who knows it's all about my favour. Right, him. One plank of wood. And from that, he blesses the whole world. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Sometimes it feels like that. Small beginnings. Coffee and tea rota again. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Keep being obedient. Keep building. 
Don't allow yourself to just think this is insignificant. This is insignificant. No, this is significant because he's about a great work. Remember that you are a living stone that is being built into this. You're not just a coincidence. It's not just I happen to be living in London at the moment and then I'm planning to go and move to Kent because it's a nice place to live. You're a living stone. If you're going to be taken out of this building, you need to be very sure that that's what he's saying to you. Because we're doing this together. We're building this thing together so that he can bless. He can bless the nations of the world. And do you know what? The nations of the world will come here. The day comes when the animals come to Noah. Did you think that Noah went out and got them? The Bible says they came to him. God brings those that he wants, that he's ordained. Let's not despise the day of small beginnings. We're in this for the duration. And there's blessing that will come. Blessing that will come to you. Blessing that will come to others. Blessing that will come to this area if he chooses to bless. Because he loves obedience. He loves obedience. He loves sacrifice. It's like a sweet-smelling savour to him. And then he says, good, well done, you've been faithful in that. Okay, let's open the doors. Out you go, bless the world. That's what building church is about. It's exciting. It's hard work. But it's one of the best things you'll ever give your life to. So don't take it lightly. Don't be tempted to think, oh, don't matter if I, don't matter if I go or don't really, you know, come on. Nice sunny day, down the beach on Sunday. I mean, can, but, but don't take it lightly. Let's pray. Father, one day all of this will be burnt away. One day each of us will face you, and you will ask us what we've done with what you gave. And on that day, we want to hear, well done. Help us, I pray, by walking close with you and by remembering always that we stand under your grace and that this is not law, that this is not duty, but that this is about delighting in doing your will. Help us always, Lord, to, to place our treasure in you so that our heart will follow. Help us, oh God, to give ourselves to the building of your church. Wherever it is you call us to do that, whether it's here or elsewhere, help us to give ourselves primarily to your mission, to building your church and to spreading the gospel and to see others come in and to experience your deep, rich blessing on our lives. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry, I'm up again. I feel a bit like a jack-in-the-box, but um, I don't know if you're aware, but I'm very much aware this morning that um, God is really speaking to us. I believe that. I was reflecting, and actually I believe he's speaking to Owen, if I might say that. I believe he's giving some clear um, encouragement and direction. I was reflecting, because um, these things aren't organized in advance, just on the time with the children. 
and I told you about the stories of Argentina, did you know actually that pastor's daughter-in-law ran the children's ministry across Argentina? And when they came to the toughest areas of cities where there was the real intense drugs and um, prostitution and so on, what they used to do is they used to take the children from the children's ministry and they would walk the streets and they would sing and they would pray and they would walk around the toughest areas and as they did, the drug dealers and the prostitutes would just literally come walking out of their houses crying and fall on the ground and ask what they needed to do to be saved. They believe it was the purity of the children that, that were, um, was a key factor in God. And so we shouldn't uh, underestimate our own children. Two weeks ago, Phil was um, preaching. He was, I don't know if you remember, he talked about the hand of God that was holding back what may happen in terms of judgment. It's the same morning when we talked, I talked about the open heaven and the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove on Jesus. And Kate was up with the kids, and um, they have a time at the end where they pray and, and ask God for words and to draw what they see and what they believe God's telling them. And there were about four of them that drew pictures of doves, and again, four or five who drew pictures of hands. And I think it was Sam, Sam who actually drew a picture of a hand holding the world, I think it was, um, and a dove coming down. I tell you, God's doing something in the kids, which is incredible. But the final thing I'll say, and then I'd just like if we could sing, if that's okay. And I, where's, um, oh, there you are. Could you come up and, and just get ready? If we could sing, blessed be your name again, if that's okay. Um, and it's this, uh, someone again, actually from Argentina, I don't know why, again, but was talking to me about um, their revelation, from revelation, around the um, end times, what the church looks like. And it says that the church is as high, as wide, as deep. In other words, it's almost like a cube, if you like the picture of the end day church. And it says, and Jesus is at the center of it. And he was talking about how he believes sometimes in church we can be very hierarchical, it's very much about the leader at the top and, and how that can uh, damage sometimes what we're trying to do. And I was reflecting again and talking about the pastors here in Beacon and how very much the people at the heart of the church, at the center. So as we sing, I just feel there's something we should do this morning. I, I believe uh, that God is doing something. And I'd like us just to come forward, if that's okay, as we sing this final song. And I'd like Owen and Pauline just to stand in the center of us as we sing, and just declare to God, again, blessed be your name, in good times and bad, but we have faith in the purpose and destiny for this place, because his word goes forth and accomplishes all that it's purposed to accomplish, and his word has gone forth over this church. So if we could do that, that would be great. If we could stand, and if you wouldn't mind...